Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hello, my beautiful Woman Inc. listeners. My guest this week is Laura Hertz, the co-founder and CEO of Gifts for Good, an innovative, millennial-driven, and socially conscious startup whose mission is to disrupt the world of business gifting. As an agent for change for both large corporations and smaller companies alike, Gifts for Goods digital platform is the only resource in the $100 billion corporate gifting industry that curates premium and purposeful gifts that give back. Laura dedicated two years to her life to national community service work with AmeriCorps National Civilian Community Corps, a team-based federal service program that has been deemed the Domestic Peace Corps. She is the recipient of the Bronze Congressional Service Medal, the highest award for young adults given by any U.S. legislative body, which recognizes initiative, service, and achievement in young Americans. Laura studied business administration at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business and later earned her master's in social entrepreneurship at the University of Southern California Marshall School of Business. She is a frequent speaker on social enterprise, cause marketing, and the role of innovation in corporate responsibility and philanthropy. Her work has been featured in Inc., U.S. News and World Report, CNBC, and The Today Show. In 2020, Laura was named a Forbes magazine recipient 30 under 30 in the social entrepreneur category. Though originally from New York, she has been fortunate enough to live in a diverse slew of countries, including China, Spain, and South Africa, and to have traveled through 22 countries and 49 states. She currently serves on the National Board of Directors for the American Cancer Society. So essentially, she is a complete saint and also an incredible businesswoman. I loved chatting with Laura about the mission behind Gifts for Good and how she got started. If you are passionate about building a cause-centered business, this is a complete goldmine of wisdom for you. You can find Laura on Instagram at Hurts for Good. Now let's get over to my conversation with Laura. So much for coming on. Of course. So I guess just start off, walk us through a little bit about your background. What was going on before you started your company, which we'll get into. Yeah, of course. So um, I spent a year doing a gap year with AmeriCorps, which was just an amazing experience. I was in a program called the National Civilian Community Corps. If you're not familiar with AmeriCorps, similar to the Domestic Peace Corps, so like a federal community service program for 18 to 24-year-olds. And you get to travel throughout the country and work for different nonprofits. And it was just an incredible experience. I did that as a gap year between like high school and college and had grown up in New York, you know, really lucky, always 
had food in my belly, roof over my head, a lot of things that Americans don't have. And I think, you know, in some ways you can take that for granted when you grow up in a good public school district and just have your basic needs met. But doing that um, experience was just amazing. Um, Worked in the inner city schools in Los Angeles. I led the largest clothing distribution program in the state of California at the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. Was there during the holidays for, you know, the turkey drive and um, all the fundraising that you see at a, you know, food bank around the holidays, which was just amazing. And then I was down in the Gulf Coast in Mississippi and Louisiana for about six months, um, worked with Habitat for Humanity and led volunteers for them. And then I actually also um, rebuilt homes as well that were destroyed during Hurricane Katrina. So it was just an amazing experience just seeing all of these pockets of need um, in America and just... I think really obviously making me grateful for what I had, but also realize all of the areas of need that we really need help with throughout the country. So that was kind of the foundation of what I did. And then I went to UC Berkeley. And if you know anything about Berkeley, kind of, you know, little hippie school, like <laughs> grew my vegetables on the roof and had my hair wrapped and, you know, did the whole Berkeley thing. But I studied uh, business at undergrad. And then after college, I did what a lot of people do, which is I got recruited to one of the big four accounting firms, Deloitte, and just kind of sold my soul, you know, worked in a room without windows and like (laughs) did my, uh, you know, Excel spreadsheets for 90 hours a week. And one of the things that I saw during that experience is all of these people getting corporate gifts and swag uh, while working at Deloitte and all of it just ending up in a landfill. Everyone talking about how much they don't like corporate gifting and... I ended up applying to um, to USC um, for my master's degree in social entrepreneurship. So I ended up actually just starting this business as a class project in business school. And then here we are four years later. So that's like a long-winded background on us, but um, just kind of a, a thread of different fun experiences that really led to the fruition of what we're doing today. Wow. Okay. So you're not a good person at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. No. (laughs) You're very selfish. (laughs) I love that. Wow. You're such a saint. (laughs) I I had a lot of friends that went to Berkeley. So yeah. Nice. Oh, I love it. Good. (laughs) You get it. Yeah. You're from California. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's amazing. So you started Gifts for Good essentially while you were getting your master's when you were yeah, in school. Um, really just started as a class project and I was working on it. I think with like six or seven people at the time, but me and my co-founder, he's about 30 years my senior and um, you know, he's 60 something and uh, looked at me at the end of the semester. We were presenting it to the whole class and everyone was like, this is such a good idea. And we start looking into the industry and we're like, this is a hundred billion dollar industry in the US alone, corporate gifting. And no one was doing anything to add social and environmental impact to the industry. So we just realized we had a unique market positioning and we were a little scared because we didn't really know each other at the time, but we looked at each other and we were like, this is a pretty good idea. You know, I think we'd work on it and like, let's make it happen. And um, yeah, it ended up, you know, coming to life after we graduated, which is just the fun part of, you know, building a business. Yeah. So first of all, finding a co-founder, I feel like you make it sound super easy, but I think it's super difficult. And it sounds like you kind of just had an instinct, like, okay, I feel like this could work. Yeah, it was funny. I think when we met each other, you know, I really 
didn't know a lot about Jerry, my co-founder. And I think a lot of people are really scared, of course, of who you're going to start a business with. But I think we both, he always says, you bet on the jockey. And I kind of say the same thing to him. It's just like, you know, that person, and especially if you've been in school with them, there's something where you realize, you know, how someone works and you've seen them in a team environment and you've seen how much dedication they have to something. So I think even though we didn't know each other well, I think we knew kind of just those ins and outs of how you work as a human being just from working together for six months. So, you know, you can take that deep dive, but it's never easy to find a co-founder. And I think I just lucked out. Some of that's just, you know, you luck out with the right person and someone they get along with and have fun with along the way too. That is very lucky. So something I hear a lot is, okay, I have this idea and I want to start a business, but I just literally have no idea where to start. So can you walk through the, even if it seems kind of boring to you or like the steps that you first took, what was the first thing you did when you decided, okay, I'm going to, we're going to actually do this. Yeah. I think for me, the first thing I realized is I knew I needed somewhere to just kind of get out of the house in the early stages. Cause I think sometimes building at home can be difficult. And this was back when, you know, you could actually be at co-working spaces and that was a normal thing that humans did before COVID. So, um, that was really great for me because I was working alongside just like a lot of other people who were building businesses in the same building as me. And it's just nice to have other people that you're doing that with. Cause in the beginning, it's pretty lonely. Um, and I think that's one of the really hard things people don't talk about with entrepreneurship. You're just kind of doing it alone. Um, my co-founder wasn't there with me every day because he had a full-time job. And so I really was just there, you know, 12, 16 hours a day sometimes in those early stages, just researching and, you know, calling people. And it's so much just outbound and learning from others and talking to others. But um, I think you also have to have fun with it too, even if you're, you know, alone. So for me, being in a co-working space was like a fun aspect of just those initial early stages where you get to bounce ideas off other people you might not know and you know just have fun with that like building phase which can be a lot but you got to do what you can just to have fun along the way too yeah it really is so lonely and i feel like at least for me you have no example of if you're doing a good job if you're doing a bad job you're just fully winging it and you see everyone's highlights of starting their businesses, but to see those days where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. And I feel like I'm doing a terrible job. Everyone's doing better than I am. But then co-working space, I feel like would kind of even that out because you're seeing people day to day who are also probably feeling that way. So you can set off each other. Which is good because you can kind of be around some other entrepreneurs, but it's lonely and it's a roller coaster and always is an entrepreneurship, whether you have a 10 year old business or, you know, two people that you work with every day, I think there's always ups and downs. So you just have to kind of enjoy the, enjoy the ups and then know that you're going to get out of the downs too. Cause it's just, it's a, it's a roller coaster for sure. Being an entrepreneur, I'm sure you know. (laughs) For sure. Yes. So how are you finding then these partners that you're working with to do gifting solutions for? Like, how are you going out and seeking them? Yeah, in those early stages, I really looked up a lot of businesses and I was looking for nonprofits and social enterprises who were making physical products and um, really, of course, with very impactful business models. So a lot of the organizations that I ended up reaching out to might have been really well known in, say, the Denver community at the time. And they had been around there for 30 years. So for example, we have a nonprofit partner there um, that employs women with barriers to employment who are making um, you know, different food products and they're all 
all hand signed by the woman who made them and they're just beautiful. And it's an organization that people would know there, but maybe not otherwise. So um, I really looked for, you know, those organizations with incredible stories and business models in the early stages. And then now I'm super lucky. I have uh, one of my coworkers was the woman who pretty much started Tom Shoes Global Giving Program, that one for one model and scaled it around the world. And somehow I met her within the first year of starting my business. So um, she was my first uh, hire at Gifts for Good. And she's just been such an incredible asset because today that's her job. And really from the early stages, her whole job was being um, our chief impact officer is what we call it. So she really builds out and scales all those partnerships too. Um, and it's not easy finding you know nonprofits and social enterprises who make beautiful products too. You know, There's a lot of those kind of fair trade bracelets, but we're really positioned at the higher end of that market. And then we also do a lot of solutions for both individuals as well as businesses. So you needed people who could say, do something with a branded logo, which not every nonprofit could produce 500 wood cutting boards with a corporate logo. So there's a lot of things you need to work through, but um, you know, part of the fun of it too. Right. That also brings me to a question I was thinking, how do you scale this business? How have you thought about scaling? Because when you're working with more artisan products, which yeah. I'm sure kind of comes with the social aspect, how do you scale that? Because I, I can imagine that would be a hard challenge, at least in the beginning, for sure. Yeah, people say that a lot, but you know, we have not found that that's a huge um, barrier to us growing and scaling. And we've scaled rapidly. Like we've done orders with smaller nonprofits up to, you know, 10,000, 5,000 units. And um, a lot of what we do is around employment opportunities for people with barriers to employment. So what we always say is a lot of the time it's just you're hiring more people, like you're bringing more people on to lead that team. And for that nonprofit or social enterprise, that's amazing because they may go from being a team of you know two people on the ground in Haiti or Honduras or um, in Los Angeles and then all of a sudden they're able to grow their you know shop to 25 people and that's a really great thing too because part of what we really try to do is bring you know employment opportunities to people who might be transitioning out of homelessness or they might be women who are recently resettled refugees to the US so employment is so important for those groups and what we've found especially over the last year with covid is our work is just more essential than ever and we were able to keep, you know, a lot of our nonprofit partners' doors open because they may have lost that consumer arm last year. But we were able to send them corporate orders, and those are bulk. And so that's so valuable when you're working with, you know, handmade products or nonprofits and social enterprises as well. So, um, luckily, yet we haven't seen that that's a huge barrier. I think people would think it is, but in a way, that's like probably one of the most beautiful parts of what we do because we're able to give employment opportunities to people. Yeah, that's amazing. So as you scale, you're actually growing the amount of good you're able to do, which is exactly. very rare. Usually yeah. as you scale, you kind of have to like... Yeah, give up on some of that. Yeah. Right. So I just saw you had a Today Show, uh, <laughs> yes. which congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And you also got Forbes 30 under 30 as a founder, which is a goal. <laughs> so yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and... I think this is kind of this area within being an entrepreneur that people are very interested in, but don't yeah. necessarily know how to navigate. How do you feel like you were able to kind of get on the map and get these press opportunities? How do you go about that? Yeah, you know, people ask us that all the time and they'll reach out and be like, who's your PR firm? And 
I, we don't have a PR firm. We just have a lot of good people who are just spreading the word about what we're doing. And we just feel so grateful for that. Like the Today Show somehow reached out to us to do a segment on us. And I'm like, how often does that happen where they want to do a dedicated segment on your business that's less than four years old and somehow they found you? But I think there's a lot of people really wanting to cover social impact or support social impact um, for organizations around the world. So, I mean, being on the Today Show is just, I guess, luck because one of the producers found our business and reached out to cover it. And I mean, Forbes 30 Under 30 was just something, honestly, I had always dreamed about. And sometimes in my head, I feel like when you dream something enough for yourself, you can really make it happen. And that day, I had no idea that I was even going to be on the list. I had, I had actually done... Um, I was on KTLA, if you're local. You said you're from Southern California. So we had a segment on Giving Tuesday, which is you know big philanthropic day of the year. We had been on live TV for four hours and I was exhausted. I had been up since 4 o'clock in the morning and you know I took off my nice uh, outfit that I had on at the time and um, got into my sweatpants at the office and I was about to leave to go home to take a nap and then my coworker walks in and he's like are you on the Forbes 30 under 30 list someone just called uh, and then someone just emailed about Forbes 30 under 30 and I was like no what are you talking about I'm not on that list no one told me that and then we pull it up online and I'm like oh my gosh and then I just sat down and I was like I just started falling because I'm just exhausted but also just overwhelmed with emotions because it was just something I had always you know dreamed and um, it's such a wonderful thing as a social entrepreneur of course, to get recognized on something like that because you have more people supporting your mission and just reaching out. So um, it's it's really... Those things are fun. You know, It's a fun part of growing a business where you don't expect something like that to happen. And it's just like overwhelming you know, sense of happiness and joy when those moments. Yes. I feel like you manifested it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that too. <laughs> but I think people do that. I've actually talked about that with a couple of their Forbes 30 under 30 where they're like, I swear I manifested it like since I was 12. It's something I wanted. (laughs) And that's crazy. I didn't know that you could be surprised. Like I thought that you knew. Oh, I thought I would think so too. So I was like, I'm not on that. What are you talking about? But then I had no idea I was going to be on it and just showed up online. No one had even emailed me like, you're going to be on the list. It just went online. (laughs) So I feel like no one would think that's the way that Forbes does it either, but they just surprised you, which I think is really cool of them. Like it makes the experience for everyone even more fun. So um, so it was fun. (laughs) That's so exciting. So can you walk us through a bit of what your day looks like? I know working from home is probably a little different, yeah. um, but <laughs> what, just being an entrepreneur, what, what does your day generally look like? Yeah, you know, it's always different being an entrepreneur. I think I wear so many different hats in the business, but um, I always try to do... Actually, I have it right here because I'm sitting at my desk. I don't know if you know the five-minute journal, but it's my favorite thing to do in the morning. So um, this is just the best. You pretty much wake up in the morning and you write down three things you're grateful for and three things that would make that day great. And then one daily affirmation. And then you do the same thing in the evening. So those are the little habits that you try to adopt because I think it can be super difficult. You know, Know, working from home and not having that. Um, and I also try to schedule my day as much as I can. So maybe I'll take a, two hours for sales or an hour for marketing and try to be pretty focused. So that's something I've tried to adopt a bit more, especially in the growing stages. But my day is always different, honestly. I love having a mix of phone calls. I love having a mix of meetings and talking to people. Um, and I'm excited for things to open back up. I think they finally are in LA now. So having in-person meetings again will be great. We just started those again. 
again this week. So I feel like it makes your heart happy after <laughs> over a year of not having them. <laughs> that is sweet. So how big is your team? We are six people, so we're small. Um, six yeah. people. Yeah. Okay. And what was the first position that you hired for? Yeah, it was me and my co-founder, Jerry. And then my first position that we hired for was actually my chief impact officer, Janice. So um, she had come from Tom's and she actually heard me pitch at a, at an event um, at USC where we had been. And she walked up after the event just thinking like, hey, I'll be nice. I'll give them a couple recommendations around nonprofits and social enterprises to look at, to partner with, because I didn't know, but Tom's had done a similar marketplace for kind of uh, consumer side products that all gave back. And it wasn't successful, but she knew a lot of the really cool organizations. So she walked up to just talk to me. And then it ended up being just like right away, I think we knew we were meant to work together. And it was just like, God, it put us together and we were meant to meet. And we always felt that way. So we just had a moment where we looked at each other and we were like, let's start this. Let's build this together. So I have no idea how I got someone that wonderful in the early stages, but she's been um, definitely an essential you know, teammate to helping us grow and scale. And um, definitely not your everyday first hire as a chief impact officer. But for us, that's that was our essential first hire. <laughs> No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. I feel like the first hire speaks a lot about your value as a company. So that makes a lot of sense and also feels very meant to be. Exactly. <laughs> and now when you're hiring, what is something that's a must for you when you are in an interview? Like, what do you really look for when you hire? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I mean, right now we're hiring for a position and, you know, it's so time consuming, but I think main thing we really look for are people that align with our values, of course, just being gifts for good and um, doing the work that we do. We partner with you know over 50 different nonprofits and social enterprises whose products we sell. And just being able to like bring that story to life is super essential. And I think part of that comes with empathy. And that's one of our core values just as a company. And we really look for that in other people and um, just making sure that they're able to really bring that to life. Because no matter who they are, or what role they're playing on our team. I think just being empathetic to the people that we serve and um, to anyone that you really interact with is so important. And I think also just authentic. Um, that's super essential to what we do, whether you're in a sales position or or on our operations side, just so important for the work that we do. And you know, I never want to be like that salesy person, even if we're working or selling to companies. I think we're just very relationship-based, whether it's with our cause partners is what we call them or our corporate clients. So and um, those are two things we definitely look for as we're hiring. Yeah, those are really, really good ones. So how long have you been in business now? So we launched our e-commerce store on November 9th of 2017. And we had spent about 8 months kind of building out our partnerships and um, business before that after graduating from our business school program. And yeah, it's crazy to think like it's been, you know, less than four years, but we've been able to impact hundreds of thousands of lives around the world, which is just crazy to think about because we're a super small team. But, you know, we're a small team, but we're partnering with over 60 organizations who oversee and do their own work too. So even though we're six people, we have thousands of people who are out there every day making products and, you know, helping to bring our mission to life too. And we partner with Goodwill for our fulfillment center. So that's just a really cool aspect of what we do too. Um, so we are actually hiring veterans and people with disabilities who kit and assemble all of our gifts. And they actually operate our fulfillment center. So no one knows that 
Goodwill even does that. You just think it's like a donation, you know, location. But in Southern California, they actually offer like e-commerce and fulfillment services. So that's a really cool aspect of what we do as well. Oh, I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, right. So from 2017 to now, is there anything that you wish you knew then that you know now? Yeah, I think you definitely have a lot of learning moments along the way. I think for me, it's definitely been probably over trusting of people, especially as you're hiring for things like, you know, development or, you know, marketing services, different things. Um, I think you definitely always need to get everything in writing and you can learn that the hard way as you're working with people. So I think just being, you know, naturally young or woman-led, that can be just some of the things that you can mess up on in the beginning. So I think just being very diligent about, you know, even though you trust someone in the beginning stages, you never know what that relationship could turn into. So I think that's something I kind of wish I knew earlier on. And you got to do what you can to protect yourself no matter what stage you're at. So I would say for me, that was probably probably the big thing. Yes. I battled with that a lot too. And I think that's important, especially for women to know is that asking for a contract is not like aggressive or mean, or it's, you know, making sure that your business is set up correctly is not, I I think that we have this, oh no, I don't want to be salesy or be too pushy, but it it's completely necessary and it doesn't do anything negative to your relationship. It actually, I, I think helps business relationships. Totally. So I think, yeah, never being kind of too nice, putting things in writing is so, so important. And just making sure you're always protecting yourself, I think is really, really important. And yeah, women can make that mistake a lot, honestly. And it's easy to get walked on by men, whether it's like sales or whoever you're working with. I've had that happen too many times where people are are going to treat me differently than my co-founder because he's a you know 60 plus year old man. But now I've learned when I see that, like I don't want to do business with you and it's okay to walk away in those situations too. Absolutely. I really think that when you start a business, one of the hardest parts is you are already doubting, like, can I do this? You, I think it's really easy to get imposter syndrome, but then the people in your life and their opinions can kind of come into play a lot. How were the people in your life when you decided to start a business? Were they supportive or were they kind of like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, I had a bit of a mix. I would say my husband now, who was my fiance at the time, was extremely supportive. And for me, that was kind of everything I needed. I've known him since I was, you know, in second grade and we go way back. And he was so supportive <laughs> of what I was doing. I know my little high school sweetheart was great. And I think his support meant everything to me. But of course, you're going to have a lot of family or friends who just don't really get your vision. And they, especially a lot of people, don't understand the risk of entrepreneurship and why you would put yourself through that when you know you can go out and get a six figure job or whatever and you know have your health insurance have all these this big safety net which I knew I could have. So I think I definitely had family who just didn't understand it in the beginning. And people also can't see the end of like what you're building. So they just might not get it. So say before I had a website, people didn't really get what I was building, you know, and then when they went and like saw it, they were like, Oh, this makes sense now. But it takes people, you know, time to come across that. But I think you just need to remember like only you and only you know what you're building and um, you just need to trust yourself. And I think that's probably the most important thing of being an entrepreneur when you know you're building something that you believe in you don't need the support 
of other people, um, you can just go out and build it. And I think when you envision it, it comes to life. So um, yeah, again, I think just, you know, envision what you're building and it'll be there in a couple couple years or a couple months. <laughs> and you are the only one that can really see that because you haven't built it yet. So that self-trust is super important. Exactly. And who would you say in your life you look to for inspiration as far as entrepreneurs or people who you're like, ah, I just, if I don't, modeling people, I think can be really helpful to expanding in different parts as an entrepreneur. Do you have that person in your life that you constantly go to? You know, I feel like it might not even be someone who's close to me, but I had someone that was very inspirational, I think, just to the work that I do today, which was one of my college professors. And I was in a class at Berkeley. I had studied um, business administration, like a lot of people do in undergrad. And I took an elective that was specific to global poverty in practice. And it was all around building a business that made money and helped other people. And the whole idea of it was really learning all these business models around the world that were providing like employment to get people out of poverty. And I just remember having like that light bulb click. And we had this journal that we kept in uh, the class where you'd write down all of your business ideas. And I absolutely loved his class. And I think I knew like that moment sitting in it, like this is what I'm going to do with my life. Like this is it. And I finally found it. And he sent me um, my journal that apparently he had held on to for like seven years. And he sent it to me in the mail a couple months ago. It was probably like the best gift I've ever gotten in my whole entire life. And I just started crying when I got in the mail because it's like you see yourself at a younger age of like, this is what I was building. I already had these ideas around this. like, And I could just see how excited I was, you know, even being like, 20 years old in college and just writing down all these different ideas. So um, I would say he's someone that I really looked up to and he's been extremely supportive of me and you know what I'm building and sharing it with other people. And yeah, just someone that I definitely look up to. That is so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like once you build a business, right? When you first start, it's like you have nothing to lose. So you're just kind of running with it, right? And you're working a lot in private. A lot yeah. of people know what you're doing. And then once you build it, it comes with a whole new set of pressure, right? Because yeah. you're, you're known for something, it's public. And then with you, I feel like there's a whole nother layer with the fact that you are supporting a lot of people and not necessarily on your team, but on your broader team yeah. and doing so much good in the world. How do you handle like the pressure of that? Because I'm sure that pretty palpable. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a lot. I think sometimes you kind of forget about it. And when we put together our impact report at the end of the year, it just reminds me like how many people's lives we're touching and, and how incredible that is being a small team, but impacting hundreds of thousands of lives around the world. And it's of course, a lot of pressure. You know, you want to, we always say we want to be all of our nonprofit and social enterprises, number one partners. Like we want to be their number one customer and we want them to know that we're really impacting their business operations. So that can be a lot of pressure, but um, you know, it's good pressure. Like it's pressure that helps me to impact more lives. So in a lot of ways, I always think like when I'm not working hard, I'm not helping as many people. And so it's just almost like a nice wheel that keeps turning because it kind of ignites that spark in me. And I think no matter what, you're going to be stressed as an entrepreneur that never really goes away. And I think sometimes I wish it does. But at the same time, I think again, like it keeps me going, you know, and it reminds me why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. Because if I don't work hard, I'm not 
not going to impact, you know, these hundred women over here or these people with disabilities over here, or these veterans. So when we make a big sale, like we know we're going to impact those people's lives. So I think in a lot of ways, that's like the good fire and the good pressure that keeps you going. Yeah. It motivates you rather yeah. than shuts you down. Exactly. This is my last question. And yeah. the question that I ask everyone, which is just what would be your number one advice for a woman who is wanting to start her own business? Yeah. Um, man, number one advice. I think I would say just build it. Like I too many women have hesitation, you know, and a lot of people sit there and then they regret it. Like they regret that they didn't act on that decision or they're wanting to be an entrepreneur, but they're scared. And I would just say like, take the leap and it's okay. Like you're gonna, you're gonna make it through. But I think the main thing probably with most women is just that they don't take the leap and they regret it. So I would say if you're listening and you're someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, just take the leap. It's definitely worth it. Just build it. Love that. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much. This has been so fun and I love hearing your story and I can't wait to support you. And I I hope so many people listen to this um, and spread the word because you're doing such amazing work in the world. So thank Thank you. you. And thank you for reaching out and just supporting our work obviously means a lot too. And love what you're doing too. Any ways that I can support you, let me know. Love that you're doing this for women and you know, spreading the word for women too. Much needed. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love that. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.